Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and patriots of all ages. Welcome to a special series of In Black and Right broadcasts called All Politics is Local. It's a theme I have been talking on all year, getting people uh, to get involved in the political process at all levels. And I'm going to have the pleasure of speaking to a series of judicial candidates uh, for Suwannee County, Florida judge. Now, just for the sake of uh, full disclosure, this is a nonpartisan race. I will not be asking any sort of political questions. They will all be judicial. There are three candidates who are running for the position. Each and every one of them has, I have sent invitations to all of them uh, to, uh, to interview before the August 23rd Florida primary. Uh, all the questions are, will be the same for each and every candidate I interview. They will be judicial, not partisan in nature. And when I have all of them, I will release them in a special uh, in black and white podcast. So with that in mind, I wanna to start today with one of the candidates for Swanee County, Florida judge, Jennifer Kirkendall Griffin. Uh, and I believe, are you with me, ma'am? I am. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, just to get started, uh, could you just give us a little bit, you know, of your about yourself and your background, ma'am? Sure. So I was born and raised in Swanee County, actually at the old Swanee County Hospital. I grew up here my whole life. My mom worked in the school system, um, retired after 30 years. She actually retired in order to help me, as she has done throughout my whole life, and that was to take care of my daughter while I was working. I'm married. Uh, my husband works at the Department of Corrections as a correctional officer at Swanee CI, and as I've mentioned already, we have a wonderful five-year-old daughter. As far as my legal background, I went to the University of Florida, which is the highest ranked law school in Florida. I graduated with honors. I started my career at the state attorney's office under the Honorable Jerry M. Blair. I have prosecuted everything from misdemeanor to felony, at, uh, or excuse me, from misdemeanor to murder as far as jury trials. I carried a felony docket for approximately two years prior to um, leaving the state attorney's office after being there approximately three and a half years. Well, as an attorney, I actually worked there for approximately two years prior to that also while in law school. So at the three and a half year mark of my career, I went into private practice so I could get civil experience. And then at the five year mark of my career, I saw an opportunity that opened up as a child support enforcement hearing officer. Now that's important because it's what's legally called quasi judicial. So that means judge like you literally sit on the bench just like a judge does and you preside over the cases. Those were Title IV-D officially is what it's referred to, but um, for anybody to understand it, it's anybody who receives public assistance, food stamps, Medicaid, they're required to cooperate with the Department of Revenue in establishing and enforcing child support. I did that for approximately six and a half years. And then in 2016, the general magistrate position opened up. 
our local judges selected me to fill that position and my civil experience expanded into the areas of foreclosure, probate, guardianship, and other domestic relations matters. So I've been on the bench for the last 12 years serving our circuit and specifically serving Suwannee County in a judge-like manner. I have more than 20,000 trials and hearings under my belt at this time. Well, that certainly sounds somewhat impre quite impressive. Um, could you just briefly explain a little bit about your personal judicial philosophy? Sure. So a judge's role is to follow the law. A judge's job is not to be an advocate for one person or the other, even, and this is where it's hard, even when you have an attorney on one side and pro se on the other, pro se meaning they're not represented by counsel. Uh, it's, it's very hard to sit there and watch somebody get potentially run over. However, you cannot advocate for them. Uh, it is also not the judge's role to create legislation. It is what my view is to follow the law as it is written and definitely not to legislate from the bench. Hmm. Uh, and a related question. Uh, would you actually consider yourself a politician because you are elected? By this is so it's funny. I, I actually released a video along these lines because I was doing door to door and I, visiting this home and the husband and I spoke and he turned around and he called out to his wife, honey, there's a politician here. And I, I don't like the term politician because when I envision a politician, it's somebody who's going to say to you what you want to hear and turn and say to the next person what they want to hear. And that is not me, not at all. Uh, I have a consistent message I, that I have done throughout this campaign by definition, because I am running for an office that is that requires an election. I am a politician, but it, I'm not a classic politician, if you will. I totally understand that. But as such, uh, should you be elected to the bench, uh, how would you balance your position as an elected official and as an independent-minded and independent-focused jurist? That's actually not a difficult question because I have a personal opinion. I might have a personal opinion, and I'll give you an example of it. Um, there was a foreclosure case in which this woman had been living on her property for more than 20 years. And you can imagine, you know, sheds full of things. She had multiple pets there. Her kids had grown up there. And I hated personally, not outwardly, nobody could see this, but inwardly, I hated ruling against her that her property should be foreclosed upon and she should have to leave the premises. Mm. I'm a person. And I have empathy for people and in circumstances, sympathy, you know, those are different. But as a judge, or in that case, as a magistrate, you have to be able to put that aside and follow the law, no matter how difficult it is on a personal level. Mm. Yeah, that, that can be tough from time to time. Um, how would you, uh, along that same sort of line, how would you handle 
any potential conflicts of interest if you were to serve on serve as judge? Right. So that that's easy. That that you, if you have what is called, <clears throat> excuse me, an appearance of impropriety, then you must disqualify yourself. Uh, I had a situation way back. Um, I think it was in 2015. I was a child support enforcement hearing officer at the time, and I did not have a conflict as the man walked into the room, but he walked in and I remembered him. He was there for an enforcement. I don't remember if it was contempt or to take his driver's license, Um, but I remembered his story. He had been progressed from grade level to grade level, but he, what would now be called, had an IEP. He had a learning disability. He couldn't read. He could not write. And here he was as a grown man and he couldn't keep a job, his business. He, he was a tire man. He was great with his hands, but he could not keep the job here because he couldn't read the street signs to get somewhere. He couldn't write the tickets out in order to, to do it. So he had struck a chord with me several years prior when he appeared in front of me, but I made an offer to him. And that offer was if I disqualify myself and I had to explain what I meant by that, but if I get myself off of your case, I'll never preside over it again. And I will tutor you for a year at the library. Will you agree to meet me there every week? And he ultimately took me up on that. And what was interesting is that it was a growing experience for me as well. Because it was my first time as an adult having a raw conversation about race. He was not of the same race as me. And he, he just he flat out asked me, why? You're white. Why are you helping me? And that sent daggers into my heart. Um, but that, that's just an example of disqualifying yourself. You know, that's if you personally perceive yourself as having a conflict. There are processes and procedures in which a person can file to have you disqualified off the case. And the way the law reads, as long as their motion is facially sufficient, you must disqualify yourself. Now, they can say lies in it, but as long as it's facially sufficient, you're supposed to grant that motion and get get off of the case. Mm. And I mean, that's a powerful story. Uh, And along that same line of The story that you just shared, would you say that that would be one of the ways that people of all backgrounds would receive equal justice and treatment under the law? If you, I can't disqualify myself and personally tutor every single person, if if that's what you mean. That was a, a unique circumstance. But as far as me treating everybody fairly that comes into my courtroom, absolutely. I'm recognized for that. My peers have, um, there's a review service called Martindale Hubble in which you can submit your name and your other attorneys and judges review you anonymously. So you don't know who says what, so they can say what they truly think. And if you go on there, you'll see the types of comments that my colleagues made about me that I, you know, one that I really take the time for litigants to explain the process, to explain the procedure. So they don't walk away confused about what's happening because, I mean, 
everybody who comes in, there's going to be somebody that quote wins and quote loses. So somebody's not going to be happy, but I always take the time to explain what can otherwise be a very confusing process, especially if you're there without an attorney. Mm, I understand. And that is a pretty good answer, but I, I just wanted to just make a, a observation along that same line. Uh, what changes do you believe personally need to be made in the judicial system? And if so, uh, what might they be? Change is very slow when it comes to the judicial system. What was interesting is that when COVID hit, we had a very rapid change and that was out of necessity. There is a series of Supreme Court administrative orders that ended up authorizing video conferencing. So like we're doing now, Zoom, only I had my camera on and every lights all set up where it actually looked, I geeked out on it. I'll, I'll totally admit that, that I had my lights and everything where it looked like I was in the courtroom, but it was a virtual background. Um, but that is a change that I believe will be permanent to stay. I think as a hybrid to do things that are appropriate for video conferencing, but then there's others that you really do need to be in person for. As far as local change, what I can do is that I would like to utilize technology more. And that's more so, it's not so much what the general public would see unless you're involved in court. If you have to schedule a hearing, I would like to involve technology in that aspect. I would like to have a block of time blocked off to where you have an agreed upon motion, come and do it. You don't need to wait three months for a hearing, come and do it. So on a regularly occurring day, I'm going to block off time where people can come and cases can move. I want to have regular case management to where with like with my foreclosures when I was magistrate, pretty much every case came before me every single month. So I would see, is the case being progressed? Is it moving along? Because we have so many cases that stall and they're not being moved along. And if that's the case, they need to be dismissed or they need to go to trial. And we don't need any kind of a backlog of cases. Mm, all right. A uh, final uh, question, the candidate Griffin. Um, what do you believe gives you an advantage over the other candidates you're running against? Experience. I mean, it comes down to that of, of the experience. Um, the, the first time you take the bench, it is completely different from the over 20,000 times later. You know, I, at this point, I have presided over more than 20,000 trials and hearings. I have already developed who I am personality-wise, demeanor-wise on the bench. There are many facets to civil cases that you just don't know in criminal law. And that's something that's why I left the state attorney's office, because I wanted to get that civil experience. And I loved working at the state attorney's office. I loved being a prosecutor. But the, the discovery process alone, the motions that are filed in civil cases are complex and very, uh, I mean, it's pursuant to the civil rules of procedure. So I've presided over those types of motions. I've presided over motions to strike, motions for summary judgment, 
motions to compel, um, orders to show cause. I have presided over all of those types of things that I would be seeing as a judge. I have written all my own reports and recommendations. It would be phrased differently as a judge. It would be the order or the final judgment. Um, but that's experience that you just don't get unless you have served in a quasi-judicial capacity such as I have for the last 12 years. Well, that's, that's definitely uh, pretty informative because uh, there are things that I didn't even understand about Florida law myself, but thank you ever so much. I greatly appreciate your time. And for the folks here in the state of Florida, if you hear this, it's like August 23rd is primary day. So I encourage you to get out and vote for your local officials. Thank you so much, Candidate Griffin. I greatly appreciate your time, ma'am. Thank you very much for having me and get out and vote. I agree 100%. Absolutely. Thank you kindly. Greatly appreciate your time again. Thank you. Mm -hmm.